every one of our missionaries we invite to come to our church, and sometimes travel doesn't permit, permit them to. We see different ones more, others less. This is actually pastor's first time preaching in our church since we partnered together. And I'm going to let him share with you the ministry that God has him doing. But the Bible says to give honor to those whom honor is due. And this is for sure a true Christian man, a man who loves the Lord. And I want you to stand on your feet and welcome tonight our speaker for this hour, Pastor Guillermo, as he comes to bring the Word of God to us. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm humbled, really, um, because only God deserves all the glory. We're we're called, and that's one thing I don't understand. First of all, how come we are saved? I mean, even just that. I mean, we don't deserve anything from Him. Well, there's one thing we deserve. We all know, right? We don't want to even talk about that, but we all know what we deserve. But by the grace of God and because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross... We have a place in heaven. That's just a, this is something we don't deserve. And then on top of that, give, God gives us so many blessings. And one of those is to allow us to serve him. I mean, you imagine all the angels in heaven. They would be crazy to do what we can do. But God says, no, 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 no. I want my children to do that. I want my children to build my kingdom. I want my children to be able to share the gospel and win other people for, for, for Christ. And it's amazing. How, that's how it all started. You know, the, 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 the apostles... You know, sometimes we, we think about the disciples and we think about this great man of God, you know. But what happened when Jesus was arrested? Where did they go? Oh, they said, oh, here we are, the great man of God. We're going to stand by Jesus. No, they all ran away. What did Peter do? Deny Jesus. Everybody just, I mean, that's who they were until the Holy Spirit came to them. Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, that's when they changed. And that's where Peter became not the denier, but the great apostle that wrote the letters, 1st, 2nd Peter, that became the head of the church in Jerusalem, that spoke for the first time, preached, and 3,000 people got saved. That's not the same Peter that, you know, a couple weeks before. And John, you remember John? You remember, that was the John that one time told Jesus, Jesus, those people are not with us. Do you want me to bring uh, fire from heaven and consume them? But the John of 1 John is a John of love, a John of mercy. Not the same. What made the difference? Holy Spirit in their lives. You know, when we get, become saved, when we become children of God and the Holy Spirit comes and, and dwells in us, He enables us to do things that we would never be able to do. And that's what I think when I remember the calling and God calling me into ministry. And when I was 18 years old, 19 years old, I was, at that time I was dating, but now is my wife. And uh, we were both, uh, you know, taking our first steps in Christian life and, and, and enjoying serving Him. And when we first started thinking about this, you know, serving God, you know, uh, that would be awesome because we enjoyed, I mean, we enjoyed our time in church and, and we were part of the leadership of the youth ministry and we enjoyed that. And we were in college and we were kind of, this is where we're going, but this is where we would like to be. We ended up getting married, and seven months later, went to the Bible Institute that our ministry, Word of Life, has in Argentina, South America. And we were there learning the Bible, studying the Bible, enjoying the ministry. And this is what we want to do for the rest of our lives. But it was so scary because, let me tell you, if God 
doesn't tell you to do something, don't do it. I mean, it, it, it's not for everyone. God has a specific purpose for every person. And it's exciting, whatever it is. And it's exciting what God has for you. But don't go do something God didn't call you to do. And, and that's what we were afraid of. But God kept confirming, you know, again and again, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go back to Costa Rica, our home country, and serve God there. We went back, served God in Costa Rica for 15 years. And we were excited there serving God, working with Word of Life, which is a youth ministry, winning young people for Christ, discipling them, uh, did a lot of uh, leadership training, camps, sports ministry, school ministry. And one day, just when we thought that that's what we were going to do for the rest of our lives, God started laying something else in my heart. And that was the country of Nicaragua, which just, was just next door from Costa Rica, just crossing the border north. Of, and the reason was we realized that Word of Life was in every country in Latin America except for Nicaragua. And we couldn't understand what, what, what was the reason for that. So I started praying, God... Send someone to Nicaragua. God. Well, exactly. And, I, and then later, I remember that. You know, that someone has, a, a preacher once said, if you're, if you're going to pray for something, you have to be willing to be God's answer to that prayer. Well, I've forgotten that. So I said, God, send someone to Nicaragua. I mean, I had been to Nicaragua several times. We had, we had done some, some trips over for evangelism and kind of getting the ground, ready for, for the ground ready for when someone would come and start the ministry. And the pastors would tell us, hey, when is someone from Word of Life coming here? We need help with the young people. There are no youth pastors in Nicaragua. Nobody's doing the work with the young people. So we were praying, God, send someone, send someone. And then suddenly it was like, okay, God, you can send someone. And I, I would go with whoever is going. I, I can be part of that team, God. So if you send someone, I can go with them. And then, God, if no one's going, I, maybe I could go. And then, God, please send me. Eventually, it was a burden that was, you know, uh, burning in my heart, the desire of going. That's when I shared with my wife. She was all excited about it. It says, if God's calling you, I'm with you all the way. We started praying about it. It took a process. There were several situations going on in our ministry in Costa Rica. Had to wait for almost four years to be able to finally move to Nicaragua. But God allowed us in 2007 to move to Nicaragua, and we started the Word of Life ministry. I want to show you just a very short video about uh, just an overview of our ministry. The song's in Spanish, so I'm sorry about that. But just to give you an idea of what we do in, in Nicaragua with Word of Life.
Center over there. It's, it's, uh, that's our team. That's our missionary team. Uh, when we started nine years ago, it was only my family and I. But uh, throughout the years, God has added other people to our team. Now we have five uh, families full-time in our ministry and five singles. Uh, and uh, as you, you could see, there were a lot of activities. But basically what Word of Life does is uh, we're an evangelistic uh, ministry aimed to youth and also a discipleship ministry. The evangelistic part of it, we do it through summer camps, or sports activities, activities we call family picnic, uh, different ways of just getting people to come to an exciting day of fun. And in the middle of all the activity, we share the gospel uh, both from the pulpit and then one-on-one, make sure that everybody understands the gospel. And then we also help the local churches to actually have a, a youth ministry. Most churches down there in Nicaragua, as I said, they don't have a youth pastor, no youth ministry. So Word of Life provides them with the leadership training and the materials that they need to have a, an actual ministry that includes uh, discipleship, Bible lessons every week, uh, quiet time diaries, so they have a daily devotional, uh, have a, a time with God every day. We teach them to do that. And then to witness to their friends and bring them to church. It's a, it's a very exciting program, very effective. We have seen uh, uh, youth groups go from 10 or 15 up to 70 uh, meeting every week. Uh, summer camps, as you said, uh, as you saw there, over 500 kids are, are coming every year to our five weeks of summer camp that we have. So ma- many different activities, but everything is focused. Everything we do is done through a local church. We, we find a church that is willing to partner with us. We work with their youth. We work with their leaders. We train them. And then, then we provide them with all these activities where they can bring their youth and bring non-believers to our activities. And they way, that way they can do something that will be very hard for them to do. But we can provide all that. They can get saved. We share the gospel with them. And then they go back to their churches and get discipled. And that's the process that we do every year. So um, just to give you a very uh, quick overview of our ministry. And then one more thing I want you to I want to share with you so you can pray for. It's a program that we're going to start next year. It's called English for Life. Uh, we are going to start a school where we're going to teach Nicaraguans to speak English. Uh, if you know anything about Latin America, if, um, if someone speaks English down there, it just opens great doors of, mini- uh, of opportunities for ministry, for jobs, for education, everything. Um, if you go, if you're uh, graduating from, from college and you go out try to find a job, uh, it's you're lucky, you know, in a way. If you get a job for three hundred, three hundred and fifty dollars a month, but if you can speak English, you can find a job for five hundred dollars a month. Uh, because there are so many opportunities for people that are bilingual over there. So we were praying for something like this, in which we could teach them English, but also disciple them. And teach the Bible. So we came up with the idea, and it's something that's not our idea. Somebody's doing it in Word of Life in Japan and Korea. We're adapting that. It's called English for Life, where they're going to learn English studying the Bible. So the Bible is going to be their textbook by which they're going to be able to, speak, uh, to learn a- English. So, uh, I mean, the story's long, but we're going to start in March of, of 2017, next March. We're going to be starting this program. I ask you to pray for this. We have everything. We have teachers. We have the uh, English dean, uh, a family that's coming from the United States to help us start the program. They have a master's degree in English, uh, teaching English as a second language. What we need is the funding, and we need volunteer teachers. Uh, And this is exciting. If you've ever thought about going on a missions, you go, I would love to go to Nicaragua. I can't speak Spanish. Well, guess what? You don't have to. Actually, it's better if you don't speak Spanish because the program, the idea is it's going to be an immersive program where the only language that can be spoken at the time of 
the classes is English, no Spanish. So, and then you say, well, I can only go for two months. Two months is great. Terms are two months. So you can go for two months, teach English, make disciples, and then come back home and get ready for next year and go back. <laughs> anyway, pray for this. It's very exciting. If you want to have more information about this or our ministry, I, I have some uh, material that I can give to you at the end of the, of the ser service. But I want to go to what's important for me, and that's the Word of God. So I, the minutes I have left, I would like to, for you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, every time, I, I try to come to the United States at least once a year. And uh, I take the, the, the time to, when, you know, I know that I'm going to have the opportunity to open the Bible and, and, and teach. And I always try to do this. I want to share about something that God is speaking to me. Uh, something that God is dealing in my heart. That's what I want to share about. I think that's what makes it genuine, and, and also the way we think is, okay, if God is blessing me with this, then He can bless others with this. Anyway, it's something very simple, a, a very simple concept, but it just changed my way of how I saw the life in the church. Ephesians chapter 4, it says in verse uh, 11, and I'm going to read for a version here. I'm not sure it's the same one that you have, but actually it's the New King James that I have here. Okay, so it says in verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So it's talking about the different gifts that different people have in the church. You know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, the gifts of service, the gifts of uh, preaching, the gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation, of mercy. You know, there are a lot of gifts and haven't you ever thought, why, why didn't God give all the gifts to everyone? Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, that every member of the church would have all the gifts. Why did he give one to this person, one to this one? Well, there's a reason for that. Listen to what it says. It says that those, those gifts, verse 12, are for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So those gifts are supposed to be used to bless one another. So that we all can edify or help build the church of God. Now listen, it says, verse 13, till we all come to the unity. And that's the word that popped out in this passage to me, the unity. And I remember that in John chapter 17, when Jesus was, you know, praying to his father in a prayer that is very special. It's amazing, that prayer. Because it's basically Jesus reporting to his father before he w went through all the passion and suffering. And he said this in that, in that prayer. Father, I finished the work you gave me to do. And you go like, hold on. He hasn't gone to the cross yet. So what's he talking about? And then you continue to read that prayer and you realize that what he's talking about is he finished the job that God gave him to do with his disciples. The work of discipleship of training those disciples that in turn were going to take the gospel all over the world. And he talks about, uh, God, please, please, Father, protect them. God, uh, Father, please uh, help them grow spiritually. And he says this at a couple of places in that, in that prayer. He says, let them be one, just as you and I are one. And then he says this, so the world may know that you have sent me. And I go, hold on. So Jesus is saying that the best proof that this world can have, that Jesus Christ is really the Son of God, is the unity of the church. 
Wow. Many times we think that there are other things that are more important for this world to, to see. You know, the changed lives, miracles, or whatever, you know, exciting things. But, but Jesus is saying if this world looks into the church and they see unity, they really are going to believe that God sent him. So what's this unity that it's, it's talking about? Well, I think that that concept of unity is what we find in Ephesians chapter 4. Unity in growth. Unity in maturity. Unity in each one of the members of the body of Christ helping the others to grow. Let, let's keep on reading. It says, uh, we're back in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, Uh, again, verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, and we're not going to get into that, that's just a whole other sermon, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that's our goal in spiritual growth. Be like Christ. None less than that. And it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, which is sadly what happens all around us all the time. But... Verse 15, speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So what this is saying is, God wants us to grow spiritually. He wants us to grow up to the stature of Christ. But we cannot do it by ourselves. We need the body of Christ. So we all need to grow together. We need to grow together. You know, so, so many times we, we hear in church, and I hear this even in my church, talk, talking to some members, they say, oh, I'm dealing with this, but I can deal with this. You know, it's between God and me. I don't need anybody's help. I don't need the pastor messing with my family. I can, I can deal with this. I can do it myself. I can. You know what? That's a lie. Here's the thing. We were not designed To grow spiritually by ourselves. We were designed to grow spiritually as a body. And it continues to say that. It says in verse uh, 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. Causes growth of The body for the edifying of itself in love. We cannot grow by ourselves. So, does this mean that if I read my Bible and I pray alone and I read my Bible and I have my study time alone and then I, I go and try to practice what I just read, does it mean that, 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 that's, that is wrong? No, no, that's very good. We should practice that. But if I think that is all it takes to grow spiritually, no. There's a lot more involved in that. To grow spiritually, I need to practice my gifts to bless my brothers and sisters. I need to expose myself to be helped by them. You know, I, I know I don't have the gift of mercy, okay? I know. If my wife, my wife's going to be here on Friday, she couldn't. Did you see the ladies' conference we had in that one of the pictures? There was a women's conference. That's the main reason why she's not here now. She's 
the latest conference that we had was this past week, so she had to stay for that. But she's coming to join me next Friday, this Friday. So she would be the first to tell you that I don't have the gift of mercy, okay? But she does. And it's so great when I look at her and she is practicing that gift that I don't have. And others and with me. And I learn a lot from that. The gift of mercy is amazing. It really is. For many years in my life, I ignored it. I just read about it. Well, the gift of mercy, what can that be? Well, it's a wonderful gift. You know, sometimes you, you find someone that's walking away from, from the Lord. You know, there's someone that, oh, who, where is so-and-so? Oh, you know, he's not doing so well with the Lord. He's going back to a worldly lifestyle and all that. Oh, we need to do something about it. And then the first one that wants to go, the one that has the gift of exhortation. Okay, I'm going to put him in his place and I'm going to, doesn't work. Okay, let's try with someone that has the gift of teaching. You know, maybe you sit with them with the Bible and show him through the Bible how wrong he is. You know, sometimes what that person needs is someone that with the gift of mercy that all they do is sit down with him and cry with him. And show him the love of God and how God feels about the way he's living now. It's, it's, it's amazing and it's powerful. But you see, it's, we all have different abilities that God has given us because we're a body. We need each other. There, there is a word that I love here. It's in verse 16. It says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. It's wonderful. When you study that word joined, I don't know if you... If I can uh, transmit this, but do you know what a gearbox is? Do you know what a gear is? Okay. You know, two, two gears that work together, to trans, uh, they communicate movement. Okay. Now, when I was in college and I studied that because I'm an engineer, they showed us that there is a perfect distance between two gears for them to work. If they are too close together, they get stuck and doesn't work. If they are too much apart then they no, there's no contact there's no communication there is a perfect distance in which a gear communicates moving in a perfect way in such a way that you really don't know which one is the one that transmits uh, movement and the one that receives it because they both move at the same time that is what the word join means so you know what it means that we have to be at a perfect distance with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, not so close that we can get stuck, okay? But many times we are so far away that we cannot communicate anything. How are we supposed to grow together if we're so far away from each other? I'm, I'm okay with developing friendship with, you know, with people from the world. I'm okay with that. I think we need to. I think we need to establish a, 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 a relationship so that we can get close to them and share the gospel with them. We have to be close to them so they can see that we live a different life. We have to be so close that they acknowledge that we live differently, that we have Christ in our hearts, that we are, I mean, we're, we're, we're to be at a distance where they can see us, okay? So that's okay. But I truly believe, because what, that's what the Bible teaches, that the only fellowship that is going to bless me in a way that I can grow spiritually is the fellowship of the brothers and sisters in the church that will bless me with their gifts, with their love, 
and I in turn would bless them with my gift that they don't have. And together, as a body, we grow. It's, it's, it's something that I think this chapter conveys that idea very clearly. And if, if we keep reading, and we could keep go on and on, but verse 17, after saying this, verse 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, but for the right reason. So, why is he saying here that we should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk? For our own sake? No, for the sake of the church. See, when we start doing things the wrong way, we not only hurt ourselves, we hurt the church. We hurt the body. We hurt the family. And this section, from this verse on, talks about how I should live. In particular, my life. It even goes on to say in verse 20, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him, and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So we've heard this before, right? We've read this before. We have to put off the old man. Renew our mind and put on the new man. Why? Why? Listen to what it says. It starts saying examples about that. Verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying. That's a good example of something from the old man. Lying. We have to put off that. And what we have to put on, it says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. What's he talking about? Same thing. How we live in the church when we lie we hurt the church when we lie we hurt our family when we speak truth we bless and then it talks about other sins like this when it talks about stealing it talks about being angry it's not talks about speaking words that are corrupt all sins that hurt the unity of the body so you know many times When we're dealing with sin, there's a lie that we believe. That sin is hurting me only. So if I don't feel really hurt with that sin, I think I'm okay. You know, I think I can deal with it. Okay, I have a sinful behavior. Uh, maybe it's secret. Nobody knows about it. Only I know. But because it's not causing a real problem Because I'm not suffering, you know, tremendous consequences with it. I go like, you know what? I, I can deal with this. I can live with this. You know, God still listens to me. There, he's not really, you know, um, disciplining me or something. But I think I can live this way. But what do we forget? That my sin hurts the body. It hurts everyone. Because if I'm not growing, I'm hurting the growth of the whole body. You know, one thing that uh, we learn in, in being on the mission field and, and working with all these churches and all these, the, these young boys and girls, it's exciting. When we have a leadership training uh, a meeting, we have 70 to 75 leaders from 10 churches, and those are the ones that we have to disciple. That's a, it's a tough job. I mean, we have a lot of people. We can't disciple all of them. We have to pray and, and make decisions on who we're going to have closer than others because there's just too many. 
But when we work and we see the result of, of, of what God is doing in their lives, there's one thing that I always look at is who are the real leaders? Who are those that, that God is going to use and is going to really uh, make them into, you know, men and women of God? Is those that are really being a blessing to others. Not just those that can stand up up front and give a, you know, a great message. Or those that have a great voice and can sing. Or those that have abilities of uh, administration. Or, I mean, those things are okay. But those that, that God really wants want to use so is, is those that are a blessing to others. That because they are there, the people around them grow spiritually. They have that, that vision of blessing others. And then I go like, shouldn't we all be like that? But we are so focused in ourselves many times that we forget this idea that we were designed to grow as a body. We were designed to grow spiritually together. We need one another. I need you and you need me, even though I'm so far away. But we're partnering in ministry. And I believe God brought me here to tell you something about this that might bless you tonight and might challenge you to review your life and how you see your Christian life. And maybe there are things that need to be adjusted so that you can become more of a blessing to others. And maybe you should open your heart more to allow others to be a blessing to you. Maybe you should take a couple of steps to get closer to your brother and sister. Maybe you're so far that you're not communicating anything. Well, you need to get to that perfect distance in which you can bless them and they can bless you. And I really believe that's how a church should, should grow. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org. Until next time, we pray that you will live abundantly.